This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's the Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, Truman Jones is on News Radio WGNS. Good morning, Rutherford County. Uh, of course, it's the Greg Tucker show today, but Mike Waller really adds something to our conversation this morning. And uh, Mike, is you're involved in almost everything that goes on, uh, in, especially in the Smyrna area. Smyrna in particular. Yeah, and uh, that big event is coming up this week. And, Saturday evening, yes, sir. And uh, it's going to be different. It is, and uh, thank you for having me. And, I'd love to have you. Uh, have the opportunity to talk about the Wings of Freedom Fish Fry, which is uh, in our 18th year. Oh, the Rotary Club in Smyrna has, has sponsored the event at the uh, Smyrna Rutherford County Airport. And due to the COVID virus, we uh, had to make some decisions back early about, uh, first of all, whether or not to try to have the fish fry. And we had a lot Has of, that ever happened? We've we've never had to even consider not having it. We've always had it on the second Saturday in September, uh-huh. uh, regardless of what was going on in the community. And in the early days, we used to worry about MTSU football and other activities in Laverne. And we've gotten to the point now it's grown so that we don't even consider it. We just we know it's going to be on the second Saturday in in September, kind of like UT in the third Saturday in November. Oh, that's a great day. But uh, it, it will be a, uh, a drive-through this year. Uh, we we made, a, made some decisions back early that we, we definitely needed to have the fish fry because so many of our, our not-for-profits that we help with the funds mm-hmm. really need us more this year than, than ever before. Yeah. The food banks, uh, senior citizens, and all of the, the, the numerous, I think there were like 21 not-for-profits that we assisted last year uh, financially with the proceeds from the fish fry. And they need it just as much now as they ever have. But uh, we're, we're going to cook fish, uh, hush puppies, slaw and beans, but we're going to have a drive-through where you will uh, follow the signs and, and come through uh, the, the on the, I guess, the south side of the terminal, mm-hmm. uh, circle around and go out by Hollingshead Aviation, and then out in the big parking lot uh, across from the from the terminal, uh, they're going to have their uh, classic car displays, mm-hmm. and it'll be a drive-through as well, where you can drive through and look at the, the classic car. So we're going we're going to do basically everything we we always do, uh, less the entertainment, the formal program. Uh, we will be uh, recognizing our World War II and oh, Korean War veterans. But uh, looking for another great weekend and, and uh, 
thank the community for all the support in years past. And uh, it's, it's really an honor to be associated with Smyrna Rotary and the Wings of Freedom Fish Fry. You guys do such a wonderful job and have for a long time. And it's not going to be a, a slow drive-through. Like, you know, all of us people that grew up here, chicks, Chicks was a drive-through, drive-in, and, and that's where we would all meet and just really have a wonderful time when we were teenagers. But this, what you were saying is, this is something just because you can't socialize like we have in the past, and that was right. that was really my big thing because I'd go to just about every table and loved oh, yeah. everybody that was in there. Sure, but uh, this goes to so many great things that you guys do. Uh, in Smyrna with a Rotary Club. And just because you can't socialize doesn't mean that you don't need to go through there. Plus, you've got a lot of people working there uh, that night that will make sure that it's not going to just jam up on you. We do. We've got uh, we've got a little over 90 members in our club, yeah. a very active club. And then we have uh, three high school interact clubs. Wow. Smyrna, Laverne, and Stewart's Creek. And, and those young people. Uh, take an active interest in, in helping us with the program. Yeah. And uh, one other thing I'd like to mention, if I might, is uh, we, we started an initiative about three years ago to build a miracle field, if you will. Yeah. Uh, it's modeled uh, after the miracle field here in Murfreesboro. But we saw the need. That we needed something like that in, in North Rutherford County. Mm-hmm. So we have joined together with the town of Smyrna and uh, they're providing the, the land over in the Lee Victory Park, mm-hmm. adjacent to the Jeff Coos Memorial. Oh, that'd be nice. Uh, they've already built a new traffic circle for Nolan Drive coming into the town center and have the spurs set uh, to extend the uh, street into the, the park by the playground. So uh, it's it's a it's over a million-dollar project mm-hmm. buying all of the... All of the uh, uh, Recreation, and restrooms, parking, landscaping, and everything that goes with it. And the club's well on the way to, to getting uh, to that goal. So uh, the, the town is going to do a lot of the, the, the work. Uh, Rogers Group is, is donating a lot of the gravel and things like that. So they'll be starting pretty soon on the excavation work and getting things set for the streets yeah. and all of that. So we're, we're excited about that as well. Any idea what kind of numbers you had in the past? I know it's a big, big turnout. Greg, we, we've we estimated uh, 2,500. Is that right? Uh, we've, we've had some huge crowds. We've never tried to count. Uh, we've talked about it a few times. But, uh, you know, looking at the uh, serving utensils, that's about the most accurate means we have. Uh, well, now, Dan Whittle used to eat enough for 20 people when he was in there. Did yep. that throw the the stats off a little bit? You know, Chief Bill Cumberson is our official head count. Guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Chief Cumberson is pretty good at, at, at the crowd estimation and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've always used his numbers and trusted them. So. Now, you belong to a lot of uh, different organizations up there, you might say. And uh, when when were you last on the show? Uh, you were, was it been three or four weeks? Yeah, it was a month ago. 
Yeah. I got so interested in that one particular show uh, that I, I couldn't get it out of my mind. But there's so many things that are going there, and Greg's been keeping it up, and anything that Greg's got his fingers on uh, has to be pretty special. And, and, and you guys, I am so proud of you working together because that's one of my favorite places. When I was very young, I, I used to go over to the Sam Davis place. And, and uh, uh, when, when Jackie and I, we'd want to go out somewhere, we would go up there. And, and even they would have a band. I think it was on Saturdays, I believe, that, that they would play. Right. But uh, where, where, where you, you could go and sit and sit on the river and right next to that dam was, was pretty special. Sure, sure. So there's activity going on there right now that I didn't think would ever happen, but you guys you, you guys take it from here. A couple of months ago, a fellow named Mike Waller called me. Actually, it might have been an email. I forget how it went. And he said something about they're going, there's talk about demolishing part of the uh, property up there, mm-hmm. uh, in particular the dam uh, that's there on Stewart's Creek. And, uh, and my, my first reaction was, you know, I hope these people know what they're doing. But then uh, Mike sent me a copy of the public notice that had been put up, which is really what tipped you off yes, sir. in February. And I've heard people say, all this has been going on for five years. If it has, it was the best-kept secret because none of us knew anything about it until that public notice was put up near the gate. Uh, and the notice said that uh, the uh, Tennessee Environmental and uh, Conservation Commission had approved a demolition of the dam. And the notice was very specific. It said the reason for the demolition is to, unquote, generate compensatory mitigation credits. And I think my initial reaction was like everybody else is, what in the world are they talking about? Well, there is a uh, process uh, in uh, issues involving the environment where if one party will uh, take some action, make some efforts that improve, for example, uh, stream flow, the water flowing through the creek, they will earn these mitigation credits, which can then be used to do just the opposite. In other words, improving the creek in one place will create credits so uh, the credits can be used to degrade stream flow downstream. Could, stream could anyone qualify for that? It's one of the things that's kind of hard to understand. Certainly in other instances I see where property owners will do or permit something to be done and the property owners then get the credits mm-hmm. and the credits are marketable. If uh, uh, I need to do something that will interfere with stream flow, I've got to get enough credits that I own uh, to uh, to do that work. Well, uh, this reference in the sign about creating credits, uh, the next question was, what, what's going to happen to these credits? Well, we learned that the credits, and this came to us from something called the Cumberland River Compact, uh, which is the ones that plan to tear down the dam and generate the credits. 
they told us that uh, the credits were being sold, transferred to five private entities, which turned out to be all subdivision developments. Village at Green Tree, it might have been commercial. Baird Farm, Track on Mason Road, Century Farms, Kensington Downs. Mike, doing his research, has identified the actual developers. In fact, I think you've talked to one or two of them. Talked to two of them, yes. Talked to two of them. And indeed, uh, in their work, uh, they come upon situations where they need to bridge a creek or put in a slab or something, uh, change flow, put it in a pipe. And the uh, state commission tells them you need X number of credits to do that. Uh, fortunate for them, they can go onto the market and buy these credits from some somebody else. And uh, that apparently what was going on here. That gave uh, rise to my concern, who's, who's getting the benefit of uh, the sale of those credits? Because we know that uh, the Sam Davis home, the, the uh, Memorial Association there, struggles, as do most yeah. of our history uh, non-profits, for funding. And it looked like they were letting this pass. Uh, the uh, also there, I had occasion to look at the contract that uh, was submitted, and uh, it's not a temporal thing. Uh, for the next, I believe it's seven years, part of the property will be under restrictive use uh, covenant in the contract. So uh, the Sam Davis leadership doesn't have the same control over its own property as it as it does now. Anyway, we start asking questions, and uh, I think uh, our commissioner down there came up with the phrase, there seems to be a lack of transparency. It's hard to get information making clear, you know, what, what the money is and where the money is going and whose benefit uh, will it be. Mike, can you run the numbers? I know you talked and got some uh, information about what the credits are worth in the market. It, based on the information that uh, Cumberland River Compact gave, and the uh, I think there were five developments plus two Department of Transportation projects. Uh, my math is correct. It's like three thousand five hundred and fifteen credits that they received or would receive for tearing out the dam. Mm -hmm. And we're told that they sell those for $450 each. Mm -hmm. Well, the math runs up to like $1.5 million that uh, they're receiving for the dam now. And they that we're talking about is this... Cumberland River Compact. Yeah, yeah. A, a non-profit but based up in Nashville that apparently looks for and does projects like this. Yes, sir. So uh, if, I, if I might just add in, uh, you know, Greg mentioned this this notice uh, that was on a little two-by-three sign out in front of the, the Sam Davis home back in February that I noticed, as did a lot of my friends and, and neighbors, and had no phone number, no email address, just Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, I one day just started calling, see what I could find out. And I've got 
bounced all over the state to different different people. All of them were very nice, but very few of them, you know, didn't didn't know what anything about it till I finally found a young gentleman in, in Nashville named Adam Kelly who was was most helpful in explaining and telling me about the the uh, comment period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, in doing so, one of my questions of him was. Have the landowners, the people that own the dam, have they, are they in concurrence? Do they, do they agree with destroying this dam? Yeah. And uh, the answer was no. <laughs> so uh, that go. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of, uh, I, I like to use the phrase, or I do use the phrase sometimes, it went from a red flag waving to beginning to have a little odor to it. Yeah. So that gave me cause to, you know, talk to some friends with the school board and Asked them what they knew about it, and they didn't know anything about it. The school board actually owns half of the dam, half of the creek yes, at sir. that point. Yeah, and half, you know, it's Smyrna Elementary School for yeah. for quite some time. So that's what really stimulated my interest and my, my concern. And when I appealed the decision, that was one of the first reasons I used, which was that uh, neither of the property owners uh, had had agreed to it. Now... In retrospect, the Sam Davis board says that they discussed it four or five years ago, but they forgot to act on it. And then recently, or after the fact, after after the Department of Environment and Conservation uh, approved for the dam to be removed, then the Sam Davis home approved it afterwards. Do you think they understood what was going on? I really don't. Yeah. I really don't think that they... Uh, ask any questions or ask very many questions. Uh, yeah. Their their consensus was it's an old dam and it's obsolete. It had no historical significance. If uh, you haven't been informed uh, correctly about what was going on, it would be hard to make a decision, wouldn't it? Sure. Because this is a complicated issue. Sure. And I mean, you can't make a, a intelligent decision if you don't have the information. And that's kind of where I am. I, yeah. Well, you did get some information about what the actual costs would be to do the work that's proposed. I we, we I've heard those numbers, but I'm I'm not sure I could quote them. Well, it's in the range. Talking to uh, uh, some of the uh, people involved, the uh, preliminary engineering. Was going to run about one hundred and seventy-five thousand. Sounds expensive to those of us that don't work with engineers. Uh, then there would need to be like a twenty-five thousand dollar fund for follow-up maintenance, what have you, and the actual demolition from the information we were given uh, and removal of the dam would be about two hundred and twenty-five thousand. What does that total up to? $425,000. And by the numbers that you were given by the Cumberland Compact people, the generated mitigation credits are worth about $1.5 million. Yes, sir. So that leaves about a $1 million uh, that we don't know what, who, why, or where. Uh, it seems to be... Uh, Certainly not under the control of the Sam Davis and the school board. Right. Uh, we don't know where it, where it goes and what becomes of it. 
And I guess my question is, why don't we negotiate at least a sharing arrangement between the Sam Davis and the school board and this compact group uh, so that uh, the property owners get some benefit uh, from the finance, from the flow of money that apparently is, is being initiated here. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you made quick reference to your appealing. You actually made a formal appeal to the state agency. I did. Uh, they they sent me the, uh, well, because I had made a comment, there were six of us that commented uh, about the dam removal. Uh, five were animately opposed to it, like myself, and one was somewhat neutral. Mm-hmm. But as a result of that, uh, they Adam sent me a uh, de- letter of determination, uh, which explained the process to appeal if, if you appealed, and I did. You know, I said uh, uh, number one, the uh, the landowners uh, were not in concurrence. Um, there's no regard for the historical significance because at that time we'd found out that the dam was over 80 years old, mm-hmm. uh, built by a niece of Sam Davis who was residing there and, and wanted a reflecting pool. Uh, Where it may have been done by the Civilian Conservation Corps, which in itself is, is uh, historic. Sure. Uh, what's the status now of the history issue? The uh, Tennessee Historical Commission has reconsidered their position. Uh, they they had, back early in March, I guess, made a decision that there was no historical significance to the dam. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once they looked into it, they found out that there quite possibly was historical significance. I mean, the, the facility is on the National Historic Register. It's the... Yeah the second facility in the county to be put on the National Historic Register after the battlefield. So uh, this was back in the 60s, and of course the dam had been there quite some time then as well. So uh, those were the first three uh, things I appealed, and then being an old farm boy, I had some concern about just the conservation part of it. I knew what would happen when you dropped that level of that water, what it's going to do upstream. Uh, to the vegetation and the trees falling into the into the Stewart's Creek. It would have been a, a lot easier on everybody if all of this was brought out initially as what exactly the goal was on, on taking sure. down the, the sure. dam. And there, from what you're saying, there, a lot of that information was put out was not accurate to start with. Well, you know, and, and I've, I've talked to any number of members of the board and a lot of the former members as I was doing research and I had friends and associates that I knew had, had been close to the to the Sam Davis home and uh, it, it makes you feel good how appreciative they are and how many thank yous I've gotten from them for looking into it digging into it you know and uh, a number of them said you know it it didn't seem like it was that significant we just kind of blew it off and went on to fundraising and other things they did so yeah i think most of them were not aware or tell us today they weren't aware of the financial aspect of, uh, the, yeah. of the deal none of them uh i only know of one person that, that says uh, he was aware of it wow. and i can't imagine why they chose not to share it yeah but uh, 
Yeah, it's the, unfortunate. On the history issue, brings up yet another player. The uh, stream, Stewart's Creek, is under the jurisdiction of the Army Corps of Engineers. Right. And under federal law, the Corps of Engineers cannot approve or permit a degradation or a change in the stream uh, until they have satisfied a historical oversight. And that's what the Tennessee Historic Commission has now put them on notice. In fact, we have a copy of the letter which directs the Corps of Engineers to suspend and halt any activity at this time pending further review by the Historic Commission. And uh, the Historic Commission apparently had some uh, misinformation as to when the dam was built. In fact, they had it looked like they confused it with the Percy Priest Dam because they were putting it up into the 1960s, yes, sir. Uh, 70s is uh, the date that it was that it was formed. So we know right now that nothing can go forward until the Historic Commission comes to a final position. If they say it is historic and should be preserved, that'll end it. Right. Uh, if they uh, find reason to do otherwise, then I guess it'll go forward. Um, why don't we take a break right now? We'll come back with Mike Waller. All righty. We'll be right back with you. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming online at WGNSRadio.com. Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad, across from the Ford dealer, host of the Truman Show live broadcast. One of the finest restaurants in Rutherford County at the top as the friendliest. It's like a magnet. You just draw people in here. It seems different here in Murfreesboro. It just seems like everybody is more welcoming. Open Monday through Saturday at 6.30 for breakfast and lunch, Thursdays and Fridays for dinner. Food is ready-made. You make it. Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad, across from the Ford dealer. This is Lisa Halliburton at Bell Jewelers, and we invite you to stop by and see our beautiful remodeled showroom and new items that we've gotten in, make you a wish list for any upcoming occasions, and have your jewelry clean while you're here. We'll be happy to clean and check your prongs and make sure everything is in top shape for you. Bell Jewelers. The oldest retail store in Rutherford County. Bell Jewelers, 821 Northwest Broad, across the street from Toots. This August, you could win $20,000. $20,000. Or even $200,000. $200,000. Introducing two new instant games with two ways to play. Two ways to play. And two ways to win. Two ways to win. Double match and double match bonus. Double match and double match bonus. Double the fun. Double the chances. Double the cash. Double match and double match bonus. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Get ready to get your game on with the Tennessee Lottery and fill up your day with fun. Like when you need to upgrade the fun on that road trip. When you could use a little did I just win $50 fun. Woo, yeah! Or when you like to add a side of fun to that next snack. Mm, wow, good. Would you like some fun with that? Well, yeah. Then play the Tennessee Lottery. And for just a dollar or two, you can get your game on. Please remember, play responsibly. 
At Bud's Tire Pros, they care about those who live and work here because you're a big part of what makes this place great. This is Kay Mitchell at Bud's Tire. Come by and see us at Bud's Tire, 3600 East Main Street, or call 896-TIRE. They will be here through the good times and the uncertain times. For those who are out on the road, stop in today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, they're essential, they're open, they're local. Visit them online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Main Street Murfreesboro's first ever Scarecrows of Maine contest is open to all artists through a partnership with the Rutherford Arts Alliance. Each artist may only enter one time. There's no charge for participating, but each participant must submit a registration form by the deadline to Sarah Calendar. You can use the link at WGNSRadio.com to do that. Businesses wanting to participate downtown will be randomly assigned to an artist for display of their scarecrow. Registration deadline is Friday. Montgomery County Mayor Jim Durrett is asking residents to continue to wear masks even though no mandatory order is in effect. The county's mask requirement expired at 12.01 Tuesday morning after Durrett decided not to extend it last week. Durrett says that although the personal mandate is lifted, health officials strongly encourage the general public to continue to wear masks and socially distance. Durrett added that data shows wearing masks has worked as an effective way to help reduce the spread of COVID-19 in the county. The United States Postal Service is looking to fill some open positions in Davidson, Shelby, and Knox counties. They're looking for a mail handler assistant, a postal support clerk, rural carrier associate, and city carrier assistant. They say the positions range in salary between $16 and $18 an hour. More information available online at about.usps.com. Teachers from across Tennessee asking Governor Bill Lee to protect them from the ongoing coronavirus outbreak. They say they want all Tennessee schools to do virtual learning until the state has less than 10 new cases of COVID-19 for 100,000 people for a minimum of 14 days. A caravan of teachers drove to the state capitol organized by the Metropolitan Nashville Education Association. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Generation 4 Creations Grandparents Day is coming up, and it's time to nominate your favorite grandparent who is a performing or visual artist. Also, register your child grades K-12 through for the talent contest. Tickets for the online event September 12th at 4 p.m. are available free for grandparents, seniors, and students. Check out Generation 4 Creation at gfckidz.org to nominate a grandparent to register a child or sponsor. That's gfckidz.org. We'll see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, a high in the low 90s. Winds out of the south of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear skies and a low near 65. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 67. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes. For Premier Six Theater, they're now open. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming online at WGNSRadio.com. And you're listening to Greg Tucker talking to Mike Waller. 
So where are we right now? Well, Mike uh, gave us a good report on the fish fry, and uh, I hope they have a good turnout. But obviously, this pandemic has changed some things. Yes, sir, it has. And I know a month or so ago, Truman, you and I talked about uh, some earlier epidemics that had, had uh, influenced the community. Came across one we hadn't talked about, and uh, particularly interesting because of some of the references involved in it. Uh, a family in Cannon County, but close neighbor, uh, turned up with a very curious and rare disease. Uh, everybody in the family had it, uh, husband and wife and three or four children. Uh, the symptoms were intense pain in the abdomen, and then the pain would move out into the muscles, mm. and uh, of course accompanying fever and things of that sort. It was the Lax family, L-A-X was the last name. And uh, they, of course, sought medical help, and it came to the attention of the uh, authorities because of the unusual nature of it. And in the uh, references I found to that particular family and their strange disease, they mentioned that they were affected like King Herod. Wow. King Herod uh, from the biblical. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Old Testament days. Yeah, the the uh, first, the patriarch, King Herod. So I began researching King Herod and uh, what afflictions. Uh, the Bible says that uh, he suffered with severe uh, pain and such before his death. And then I found that one phrase that uh, was fascinating in one account, uh, not the biblical, but some of the research that was done. And to quote it exactly, it said, Muscle worms devoured King Herod. Muscle worms devoured King Herod and his family in Cannon County had a similar disease. Further research, uh, it turns out that uh, the family had purchased and consumed uh, some meat. Mm. And you know where that's going. Yeah. It was, well, it's described in the article that uh, we stumbled on as hog meat. Uh, they had trichinosis, which had almost disappeared in the period uh, following the Civil War mm-hmm. when uh, people learned to thoroughly cook any meat, but yeah. in particular pork. Well, this family had apparently eaten the pork uh, not sufficiently cooked. And the. Uh, Affliction is a parasite, uh, a true parasite. Uh, the polite medical term is nematode. A nematode is a worm. And uh, it uh, grows in the intestine up to a certain uh, maturity and then burrows out of the intestine and gets into the muscles of the, uh, the host. You know I just got through eating breakfast. <laughs> yeah, and I bet you had some pork. I hope it was well cooked. Bless but your heart. Even I liked our other subject better, Mike. <laughs> it was. Even, even, yeah. even uh, when this occurred, it was considered a very rare disease, at least in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the reference I found to it was in the Murfreesboro News Free Press, 1912. Mm. So we're 100 years plus beyond that particular outbreak. You know, we used to kill hogs every Thanksgiving. 
But none of that could have survived for what we used to do to that hog. Uh, we cooked it well before we ate it. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And uh, for your breakfast meat or a good ham uh, for Christmas, it's hard to beat. Yeah. It sure is. Uh, I also wanted to uh, remember somebody uh, from the 19... Well, died in the 1939. We've talked about him. I learned something new about him. Uh, I'm talking about... Uncle Alfred. Remember Uncle yeah. Alfred? Yeah. Alfred Everett. Alfred Everett was a Confederate veteran. Mm -hmm. uh, he was black. Mm -hmm. And uh, That's a great story. Yeah. Uh, he went to war with uh, one of the Everett boys, who was a prominent family in the area back before the Civil War. And uh, he was... Uh, delegated the task of being cook and uh, when the boys would go out on patrol or whatever he would prepare the meal and he uh, up until his his uh, well a few years before his death he would tell the stories about uh, how he kept his boys well fed mm -hmm. mostly duck and chicken which he was catching and finding wherever he could but if there was no duck and chicken he would collect toads and snakes and uh, he, he readily uh, admitted that uh, rattlesnake was the best meat that he could find. You know what it tastes like? Chicken. It tastes like It chicken. really does. <clears throat> Chew's a little tougher if you hadn't yeah. prepared right. Yeah. Now, Bubba Woodman can, could flat cook some rattlesnake. Well, Bubba put out the word uh, in my circle that uh, anybody that had the snake, he wanted it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we had, we had it a couple of times for the Hoopers crowd over at the... Walter Hill Country Club, but uh, Albert Everett was known uh, almost uh, universally in Rutherford County because he was one of the most, uh, how would you say, aggressive, committed Confederate veterans. In fact, he insisted that uh, there would be another conflict because the South was going to once again uh, fight for their independence. South shall rise again. Yeah, and uh, at the uh, if you look at pictures of the Confederate veterans in Rutherford County gathering, you can always spot Uncle Albert. Uh, he always was one of the best dressed. Had him a white coat that he liked to wear, and black vest, and uh, he'd be in the midst of them. And uh, he also was able to recite most of the songs and sing the songs that were popular during the period. And as part of the uh, reunion occasions, he'd always be called upon to do the rebel yell, as he had the best rebel yell. Uh, what I learned recently that I didn't know before is that uh, he, in 1923, was given a state senate appointment. Mm -hmm. uh, the citizens around uh, Murfreesboro, particularly the businesses and such on the square, that knew him well. And he worked in a number of them. Uh, had petitioned the state senate, the senate majority leader, the senate uh, speaker, and uh, Albert was given a uh, appointee. Became appointed. Actually, I think he was nominated, and then the state senate voted and approved his appointment as a senate porter, which meant he was more or less in charge of the floor of the senate.
Wow. And uh, I'm not sure how long he served, but in 1923, he probably served at least two, two or three terms during that. Unfortunately, he uh, suffered in his last decade from dementia. Bless his heart. And uh, frequently was uh, would spend time sitting at the base of the Confederate monument talking to his old Confederate buddies. And I was on occasion out at the Stones River battlefield walking around talking to him. He did get a Confederate pension, lived on the pension, he and his wife, Mm -hmm. until, uh, by his own account, the pension became not enough to support him. And they went to the county farm. He died there at the county farm. His wife lived another decade and was very, very popular, particularly among the children. She was a teacher by nature. There. So Uncle Albert, Albert Everett, uh, one of those people that uh, we'd forget if we didn't work a little bit at trying to remember the, the people that uh, were so well-known in uh, Rutherford County and Murfreesboro. I wish I could have uh, sat down with him, especially during his, his good years, and and uh, enjoyed that type of conversation. Well, I have written about him. He's in, I think, my second book. And uh, at the time of his death, one of the newspapers, Rutherford Courier, collected some of the stories from others that they had heard from him. So we have some of it. Uh, in particular, his efforts to to feed and how proud he was of his boys because they were well fed and fought well, according yeah. to according to him. And uh, uh, that's the best type of entertainment in the world because it, it's educational and people like that I enjoy so much when, when they're relating some of their. Um, uh, stories. It's, it's just unbelievable. Well, he was one of the last to leave us. Uh, after his death in 1939, there were four Confederate veterans left in the county. Mm-hmm. And uh, by 1943, all of them were gone. Hey, Ava. Hey, Ava. Hey, Ava. Let me have a... No. The Bill. Why? Because you, you did that for me, for Bill. I know you didn't, but I want to pay for it. Truvin is arguing with Avent Lane about who's going to pay for it. All right, you're doing for Mr. Bill. If Bill Allen's listening, Avent Lane did it. <laughs> you know, that, uh, when you come in this restaurant, it's Avent a story Lane. in itself. It yeah, really Avent is. Avent Lane, that's it, a little bit like Uncle Albert. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 talk, he talks to those long gone sometimes. Yeah, bless his heart. Now, you've been working hard over here, Mike Waller. Are you looking for something that we did not bring up this morning? Well, I'm just reviewing some of the documents that we've received and trying to get familiar with them, Mm -hmm. doing a little research. You have put in an awful lot of time on this particular uh, situation with the Sound Davis, where the dam is right now. Uh, I'm going to get back with you, but we've got a caller in. All right. Caller, welcome aboard with Mike Waller and, of course, Greg Tucker Show. Hello. Come on. This is Pasco, Jerry Pasco. Hey, Jerry. How are you? All right. Getting better all the time. Jerry Pasco. Hello, Jerry. Hey, neighbor. My neighbor. Yeah, right up on the side of the hill. 
Hey, I, I was trying to find out why they never have a, a Confederate flag at the Sam Davis home down there. I mean, it's a Confederate place, you know. Okay. Something about a flag? He, he's wanting to know why they never had the Confederate flag at the Sam Davis home. I have no idea. I'm I'm not really Actually, associated with uh, There is a Confederate flag flying over the grave of Sam, which is there on the property. Where uh, is it located on the property? I'm not sure I know. Well, I'm not sure I can tell you. Uh, it's right behind the main house, isn't it? Yeah. If you're coming up the driveway, no, is that a little bit over to the right and behind the main house? Uh, there should be. There has been and should be a flag flying over the grave. I think you're correct, though, that uh, <clears throat> there is not a flag flying at the gate. No. At the, at this time. Yeah, but I don't know why. They're afraid they offend somebody, I guess. Too bad. Yeah, I think I think everybody's worried about being offended or offending somebody else these yeah, days. Yeah, I'm tired of that. I, I believe in the freedom of speech. Hey, thanks a lot. See if you check it. I wish somebody would check that out. There should be a big rebel flag right out in the front gate. <laughs> yeah. So, sound like a true southerner. Yeah, I am. Jerry Patton. Well, his farm is in Southern Hills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why I what, named it. about a mile from you? Right at a mile, maybe. No, if, if that much. Close hey, to the uh, hey, inside. I've only seen one. Uh, Hey, I've got three Trump signs out in front of my house, too, and I've only seen one Joe Biden and Harris out, one sign, and that's almost the end of the Bradable Pike. One Biden well, and Harris. How many Trump signs are out there? Huh? How many Trump signs are out there? i got three in front of my three. house. I've seen two more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Trump better win, too. How's your How's your sweet wife doing, Jerry? She's doing good. She's out weed eating right now. Oh, good. I'm glad somebody's working out there. <laughs> hey, okay. Thanks a lot. All right. We'll see you, Jerry. Come by. I've got a real view from the front porch up here. Uh, I don't know why, but I'm reminded of Lady, Delor Lady Dolores. You remember Lady Dolores? No, she might have been a little before you. She was back in Albert's time. Uncle Albert. I don't Back know. in the you and I are only four years apart, big boy. That's right. That's right. And Mike <laughs> is a kid We're, here. So yeah. <laughs> I'm older than everybody. The years of the depression. A lot. There were a number. There were a number of people around the country trying to make a living as daredevils. Yeah. We've talked about the human fly. Yeah. And uh, they kind of fell in two categories. They're the itinerants who would come into town and drum up their own business. Mm -hmm. And that's what the human fly, the human spider we've talked about. He came in claiming they'd climb the courthouse uh, and take up a collection. And the local businesses would encourage it because it would bring crowds. But he in. was swatted. Yeah, he, he didn't do very well. Yeah. The spider did better, and we've talked about that, and that's mm -hmm. in a couple of my books. But uh, uh, the other category was those who would do it for hire. And, in fact, the merchants in the early 1930s around the square uh, would get together and 
hire someone to come in and attract attention, either put on a show or stunts or whatever. And usually they were daredevils. Well, one of the most, and it became an annual affair back in 1930, 31, 32. Uh, that once a year the uh, merchants would sponsor a glorious Wednesday or a grand Wednesday and uh, they decided in 1931 to invite Lady Dolores. Lady Dolores was... I, I had rather had Lady Godiva. Well, uh, her her costume was a lot cheaper. Yeah, it was. Uh, but this lady put... Part of this lady's uh, show was to be put on display. Mm-hmm. Uh, the furniture store. What is that furniture store? McCord. No, that's McCard. M C C O R D. Furniture. Had a big picture window. So they hired Lady Dolores, who was known as a, uh, a endurance driver. In fact, at the time, she held the world's record for a woman constant driving, and uh, she did it in Nashville. Drove constantly for a hundred hours. And, uh, she could have done that in the city of Murfreesboro, trying to get across town. Today it would have been much easier. I wonder where in the world she went. I hope she didn't go round and round for a hundred hours. I hope Rom's not listening because he really does a good job. <laughs> uh, Lady Dolores came into town, uh, and her housing was the picture window at the furniture company. Wow! She prepared her meals. She ate. She slept. Uh, she did everything except for an occasional step off to the side for personal activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there in the picture window. And uh, this was long before TV. Uh, people came by just to see what she's doing now and to watch what she was doing. Uh, during the weekend, she would leave the picture window and visit in the various stores and shops that had sponsored her. And in fact, they gave a, a schedule for her on Monday. She goes by the Moncrief Beauty Shop at 10.30 in the morning, McCord and Harris Drug Company at 2 o'clock, Brinkley's Grocery, we've talked about Brinkley's mm-hmm. at 2.30, and the Tennessee Electric Power Company at 3 o'clock, getting back to the McCard Furniture Company at 3.30, and then would continue her daily activity in the, in the window uh, to attract attention. Now, the big wind-up was on Wednesday, the Grand Wednesday, when she would hang upside down in a straight jacket over the courthouse. A straight jacket? Yeah, where in the world you get a straight jacket those days? I don't know. She would be bound, and it's described as a straight jacket, and she would, while hanging from a rope tied to her feet, escape from the straight jacket, climb up the rope, and uh, get back off onto the roof. And uh, this would attract hundreds of uh, watchers, particularly after the human fly didn't make it. <laughs> How many bid on her? Huh? Made bid on her. Oh. How much was that lady in the window? Well, she attracted enough attention <laughs> that McCard thought it was worthwhile. But that's Lady Dolores. And uh, if anybody's interested in reading about her, look in the old newspapers, May 1931. Uh, as before the daily Now, news. where are they going to uh, find that newspaper? <laughs> online. Really? A lot of it's online. And uh, a lot of it's in my book. Hmm. Uh, some of my books. But 
So we've heard about Lady Dolores and Uncle Albert. They were contemporaries. Yeah. She also was a stunt pilot. She didn't hold any oh, records. Wow. She didn't hold any records, but she, uh, <clears throat> in fact, they had a picture in one of the editions of her staggering out of the plane after attempting to set an endurance record for a female pilot. Apparently, she came up short. Uh, but uh, she could never beat Amelia. Uh, well, Amelia was probably not into the endurance side of it. It looks like Lady Dolores had kind of created a category where she could work <laughs> at being the best uh, at doing it. And uh, also, she's quite attractive, as you might ex expect. You wouldn't want to put someone who wasn't attractive in your show window. Right. <laughs> All right, Mike. When will we find out more about what's going on with the dam? We have a administrative hearing on September the 22nd mm -hmm. uh, before a judge with the Secretary of State's office. Mm -hmm. So uh, that may he, be he, that may be continued, which means put off for a couple of okay. weeks. So I guess that's the next big date, you know, that uh, the judge will render his decision on the appeal, whether it stands or it, it doesn't stand. Well, where is the judge? What is Where is his uh, uh, chamber at? He's in the Tennessee Tower, downtown Nashville. Uh-huh. Uh, and apparently the Secretary of State has a number of administrative judges that, that rule on state matters that are controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I, I looked at his schedule recently, and it appears most of his cases uh, deal with ten care. Oh, wow. So uh, this was the only case concerning the Department of Conservation and Environment yeah. that I saw on his schedule. I suspect we'll learn quite a bit next week because Mike has uh, noticed, uh, given notice of uh, the discovery. Mm -hmm. and has requested documents from uh, oh, five or six different, uh, yeah. yeah, the engineering firm, the Memorial Association itself, two of the contractors, and uh, the Cumberland River Compact. And when we start seeing their documents and their files, then we'll begin to get a little better picture. This is the transparency that, in my opinion, should have occurred a long time ago. Uh, and uh, if nothing else, the discovery from the engineering company as to uh, the costs involved and, and what has to be done will be particularly interesting, plus the comeback uh, records and uh, how they market these credits uh, should be very interesting. I just wonder why... Uh, something as complicated as this, Mike, uh, wasn't explained completely when all of this began. You know, it, it gives you cause for concern, but, uh, you know, there's so many players involved, uh, and hopefully in this discovery we'll find that person or persons that that is grasped around all of it. I don't yeah. know, you know, from... We picked up bits and pieces, uh, but it, it's been difficult thus far, uh, and especially since they established this hearing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been difficult to get information. That's the reason we 
were forced to go to the subpoena process. Yeah. And uh, one of the subpoenas that I'm looking most forward to, uh, I subpoenaed the Commissioner of Conservation and Environment. Hmm. And I asked him for the state law that allows destruction of property without the owner's permission. Yeah. Certainly there's a law that would allow them to do that. I know local governments, they have to condemn it mm-hmm. uh, if, if the property owner doesn't concur, but uh, I, I, I'll be interested to see what they come back with. It would have ended a lot of trouble if, if they had explained how the Sam Davis home itself could have received uh, their uh, just amount or even anything sure. when, when you're looking at it right now. And uh, I think that uh, if they had understood what the conditions could be as far as maybe, I mean, they're the, uh, it's their place. Why in the world wouldn't they uh, be, rec- or could they recognize what the situation is and, and maybe everybody could have worked together? One would have thought so. Of course, really, that, from what I understand, the property's actually owned by the state. And then uh, the governor's office appoints the trustees to oversee uh, the financial yeah. part of the, the facility there. Yeah. Well, the, it, it will continue on. It is very interesting, and we look forward to coming back in some period of time and updating you on where we are. And we enjoy your company. It's a pleasure. And, and, and there's so many things going on up in our northern city, uh, not the northernmost, but in our northern city up there, which uh, uh, is a major part of, of our community. Well, it's a great, great area and great place to, to live and raise a family. Yes, it is. All right. You have anything last, last thing to say, Jack? Oh, uh, yeah. Let's great. all remember to thoroughly cook our hog meat. Yeah. And... This coming Saturday, when do you 5 start? 5 p.m. 5, 5 p.m. So everything opens up at 5. Gates open at 5. Yeah, yes, and, and, and that's at the Smyrna Airport. Smyrna Airport. Uh, Neil Orne will be back with us. Is there? I, I guess you'll be, you have little signs out there for everybody oh, yes, who's not yes. used to driving oh, yeah, through there. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll have signs. Neil is uh, going to be helping document some testimonials and things like that from uh, some of the sponsors and some of the recipients, just, just to get. Uh, and I is, think is I'm Mary sure, Esther going to be out welcoming everybody? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah. She very well may be, since they don't have a ball game this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Ball games take priority, priority over yeah, everything. Yeah, I understand. She usually comes, though. I mean, especially if it's. A, I've never seen it when uh, she didn't. Uh, yeah, have they'll, they'll, they'll Harcoon won before her time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we will see you in the morning at 9 o'clock. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming online at WGNSradio.com.